Today on Moody Presents with Mark Job. And sometimes it's the act of going to a person physically and saying, I forgive you. Sometimes it's the act of getting on our knees and praying. But whatever it is, at times, God will ask us to walk down a journey that says, I'm in desperate need for God. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and you know, if there's one thing that we know about Mark Job, and if you're a regular listener to this program, you know this too, it's that Mark loves Jesus. He loves talking about him and, and, and thinking about what he's done in his life and how he has changed people and is in the process of working in people's lives right now. Well. It has been and continues to be all about investigating the claims of Christ here on the program. Mark is going to be talking all about his first love, our first love, Jesus. And we'll hear again what Jesus said and relive some of his key encounters with people. You know, the more you understand Jesus, the more you understand God the Father. And when you really dig into the claims of Christ, it's then that you know him better. And that's our goal on Moody Presents, right? We want you to know him better. By the way, did you know that on seven separate occasions, Jesus Christ said of himself, I am. And then he followed it up with an image of some kind. Today, we're going to dig deeper into a few of those timeless statements. Here's Pastor Mark on Moody Presents. You never know how much you need light until you lose light. We experienced the great blizzard of 2011 in Chicago. Biggest blizzard we've had in 30 years. Took me three hours to shovel my driveway. Seriously. I mean, there was snow up to here. It was a, it was, it was a blizzard. This was a good old time Chicago blizzard. Anybody stuck on Lakeshore Drive in this auditorium during the blizzard? No one? You said, ah, it's all the non-Chicagoans that got stuck on Lakeshore Drive, man. We know, we know to stay away from Lakeshore Drive on times like that. Um, I thought that we were going to go through that blizzard with no problem. I knew it was coming. I knew it would be several feet of snow. I knew we'd be snowed in. I knew the plows wouldn't come the first day. My kids were like, yeah, we get off school. May it blizzard for a week so we can get a week off school. So they were excited about it. We had food in the pantry. Our furnace was working, so no problem. And so we settled in to have this cozy day and a half lock-in in our house because the blizzard was going to be that way and pulled out the books and uh, got, got ready for a nice time. We were saying this is going to be kind of fun actually to be kind of held up here in the blizzard and everything was going well until about seven o'clock at night there was a little flicker in the lights and then the flicker turned into a blackout. So here we were now in the middle of a blizzard with no lights. How many of you think you know where the flashlight is at? <laughs> Until the light goes out. Is it just me or when the light goes out it seems like someone moved the flashlight? When I go to put my hand where the flashlight is supposed to be, it never seems to be there. Grant, what dad? 
where's the flashlight? Oh yeah, I was exploring the basement or something like that who'll come in. And he never quite knows. And so we're fumbling around, trying to get candles out. And suddenly we turn from this is gonna be nice and cozy to this is getting kind of chilly because the furnace went out and the lights went out and there's no electronics. And uh, we went 14 hours without light and it was getting a little cold. Without electricity, without light. But, but, but we never really realize how much you miss the light until the light goes out. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said he's the light because he's comparing himself to something that we all see, that we all know, but that's vital to our existence. And so I wanna look for a moment at John chapter nine and this claim of Jesus is the light and one of the most powerful stories about a blind man and his encounter with Jesus that you will ever see. It tells us in verse nine, as Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, sometimes we ask the wrong questions, don't we? And Jesus has to redirect our, our thinking the right way. They're walking by and they see a blind man they find out that he was born that way, blind, and his disciples ask, why is he blind? Is it because his sin, or is it because his parents' sin? Now that's the wrong question for a couple reasons. A, how could it be his sin if he was born blind? I mean, he didn't even have a chance to sin before he was born, so how could it be his sin? Kind of a dumb question in my mind. Secondly, why are you even asking that question about why is he blind and is it his parents' fault when you see a person suffering or going through a difficult time? Jesus turned the whole thing around and he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In essence, what Jesus said is, don't worry about whether it was his sin or his parents' sin. Worry about what does God want you to do at this moment when you see someone that's suffering. What are the works of God that he wants us to do? Anytime there's disasters, for example, when the disaster the earthquake hit Haiti. I heard some people talking about, well, Haiti got hit by an earthquake because they practiced voodooism. And that's why an earthquake hit and so many people died and it's God's judgment upon them. Anytime there's a natural tragedy, uh, people ask themselves, why is this tragedy happening and how did they bring it upon themselves? And, Here's what I want you to understand and know about this. I, I, I want us to be really careful that when a tragedy happens, to assume that we know why it happened and attribute it to some sort of sin or some sort of judgment of God because 
I think that only God knows why it's happening, but our response needs to be, what do we do when someone is struggling or suffering, regardless of why it happened? And that's exactly what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about his sin or his parents' sin. What you need to worry about is what are the works that God wants you to do right now? If you see a person that's diagnosed and suffering with HIV, AIDS, you could say, you sit and ask yourself, well, they're that way because God's judgment, who knows how sexually involved they were or what they did or how promiscuous they were, and you could almost walk around that person thinking, well, they deserve that. Or you could do what Jesus wants you to do and ask yourself, this person, regardless of how they got there, what is it that God wants me to do towards them in the midst of their suffering? You could see a homeless person under the bridge and you could assume, well, they're there because they drank it all, because they're an alcoholic, or they shot it all up in their arm, and they're just a drug addict or an alcoholic or an addict, and they deserve to live under that bridge because that's what they've brought on themselves, and you could just assume that and walk around them and show no mercy and no compassion, or you could say, I don't know why they're there. I'm not assuming I know why they're there, and I'll leave that up to God, but as a human, I have a responsibility to show compassion at least to people that are in difficult circumstances. I think that's the heart of God. Because listen, if it's justice that you want, we would all be in a heap of trouble. 9-11 uh, happened and the t Twin Towers went down. I can guarantee you there were people in the Twin Towers that went to church and loved Jesus and read their Bible and prayed every day. And there were die-hard, pagan, hard-hearted people towards God as well. The good and the bad suffer in this world. And we need to be careful to uh, attach judgments to people that get sick or are suffering or tragedy happens in their life because it's really not our call to determine why it happened. It's our call to show the grace of God and compassion of God and mercy of God and help of God. That is our responsibility in the face of tragedy. And Jesus said, hey, as this happens so that God's might display, the work of God may be displayed, and as long as there is day, in other words, as long as we have opportunity, we must do the work of him, Jesus, who called me, and we've been called light of the world now, because a day will come when we can't do those works, so now, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So what Jesus was saying, as long as we have opportunity, let's do good whenever we can, without casting judgment, without walking by people, without, without telling people, well, you deserve to be in the place that you were at, or you made your own bed, so now sleep in it. I think there needs to be a grace and a mercy that's extended towards people that are experiencing suffering, whether or not they brought it upon themselves. There needs to be grace and mercy that we extend to everyone. Jesus went on, he went on to do some extraordinary things, and that's what I really want to talk to you about, how Jesus really had a breakthrough in this blind man's life. And I think 
the breakthrough that this blind man experienced, there's lessons there that all of us can learn about how God brings breakthroughs in our lives. Thank you, Pastor Mark. We're going to pause for just a moment in our message about the claims of Christ so that we can tell you about an important resource available right now at our website, moodypresents.org. It's called The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. Written more than a century ago, I was amazed when I picked this book up. Let me share with you this excerpt. Moody says, I have either got to overcome the world or the world is going to overcome me. I've either got to conquer sin in me and get it under my feet, or it is going to conquer me. Well, there are so many engaging stories, so much great application for Christian living in this book. I highly recommend D.L. Moody's The Overcoming Life. And it's yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount when you give online at moodypresents.org. Head to moodypresents.org, and on the left side of the page, you'll see Moody Presents Resource. Give it a click. Give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you D.L. Moody's The Overcoming Life. It's our thank you to you at moodypresents.org. Now back to our message. Here's Pastor Mark. So if you're taking notes, I want you to just to jot some of these down today. How light breaks through our darkness. Verse 6, after Jesus said that, the blind man was there. He sort of rebukes his disciples and says, stop judging them and show mercy and compassion, do the works of God. And then he, he does some unusual things. And I, I love this story. I think I liked it the most when I was in junior high because it involves spitting and dirt. Look at it. Having said this, he spit. Pastor, what does that mean in the Greek? It means spit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> spit. Now, I know that doesn't seem very religious, and I know it doesn't seem very kosher, and I know it doesn't seem very sophisticated, but I wonder why Jesus did that. I think I know why. I have a couple ideas about why Jesus did that, but before I get into why Jesus spit, let me just say that there's a couple things I observe about this story that are significant. How light breaks through our darkness. And if you think of your own story and other people's life story, I think there's a couple things that they have in common when people finally break through to the light and are able to see. The first thing I notice is that the initiative for a breakthrough comes first of all from the heart of Jesus, that Jesus is always the initiator. In verse one it says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and it was Jesus that approached the blind man, not the blind man that approached Jesus. Now, I know that there's other places in Scripture where a blind man is the one that calls out to Jesus or someone else approaches Jesus, but here's what I want you to understand. God is always the one, first of all, reaching out to us before we respond to him. Once in a while, I hear people use this phrase, and I understand what you mean, and I don't want to kind of beat you down with it, but I think it's not really the right phrase. Once in a while, people say, well, I found God. And I know what you mean by that. But first of all, God was never lost. 
So you, you don't find God. Secondly, it wasn't as if God was occupied with celestial organization and global crisis and had his back to you and you struggled and reached out and climbed the celestial ladder and tapped on his back, oh God, oh God, please. And then he kind of looked back and said, oh, you found me, all right, wow, good job. No, 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 that's not how it works, never. It was never your initiative, never your effort, never your faith, never your beckoning to God that reaches out to him. It's God who reaches out to you. It's God who sends you messages. It's God who convicts you. It's God who extends his grace to you. It's God who has known you, loved you, reached out to you, uh, extended his hand, brought people into your life, brought signs into your life. It's always God reaching out to us and us responding to God is the way it works. And you say, well, pastor, I don't remember God when I was younger, or I was away from God for years, but you may have been away from God, but listen, God was never away from you. Never. The fact that you didn't acknowledge God, the fact that you didn't see God, the fact that you didn't feel like God was there does not mean that God wasn't there. He was there, you just ignored him. He was speaking, you just weren't listening. He was manifesting, you just weren't looking for him. He was giving messages, but you were ignoring them. He was softening your heart and you were pushing it away. But it doesn't mean that God was not there. God has always been there. God is always there. God knows your story and your history, which leads me to my second point, is that Jesus has insight into each of our life and our history always. He's always been working in our lives, whether we acknowledge it or not. He initiates and he's always working. In fact, this will really help you out, I think, as you try to look at life and try to look at the world, you need to approach the world and life with this mentality. God has already been working there. When you meet someone for the first time and they seem irreligious, dark, hard-hearted, away from God, wanting nothing to do with God, ask yourself this question, what has God been doing in their life? Because I can guarantee God has been working already in their life. How do we plant a campus in the city of Chicago? Let me tell you, some people ask us, well how do you know where the next campus is gonna be? We don't. The question we ask is where are you working God and how can we cooperate with you? And sometimes he'll show us because someone will give us a building. Well that's kind of a sign. Or we'll have people in a certain area that have a real burden for it and that's kind of a sign. And when we go to plant a campus in an area, we don't arrive there with our flag saying, finally we're here, God is here. No, 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 no. We go to that place and we say, God, what have you been doing in this neighborhood? Because what I know is that God has been there way before we arrive. God has been working, God has been moving, God has been behind the scenes. God is eternal, he's preexistent, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's involved, he's omnipresent, so God has already been working before I was ever there, God was there. 
When you meet someone, you can be sure that God has been working in their life. Now they just need to connect the dots of where God has been working and what God has been doing, but God has been working and moving. I think the reason that Jesus healed in so many different ways was that Jesus was trying to show, I'm not boxed. Uh, you know, someone once described it, this, imagine two blind people that were healed by Jesus running into each other after they were healed. Imagine the conversation. Hi, my name's Bartimaeus, what's your name? And yeah, my name's Levi, oh yeah? Hey, do you know that once I was blind, now I see? You were blind and now you see? Yeah, me too! I mean, I was blind and now I see too. Whoa, high five. Yay, Jesus. Man, we're in this together, brother. That's a blessing. Beautiful, man. We're like, man, wasn't it incredible to see? Oh, it sure was. It's so great to be able to see. Hey, wasn't that amazing when Jesus put mud on your eyes and then you were able to see? Mud? <laughs> oh, hold on, bro. That's not the way Jesus does it. Yeah, you know, he puts mud on your eyes and you go wash it and you see that's the way he heals. Oh, no. I don't know what cult you're a part of. But listen, the way that Jesus does it, he doesn't even touch you. He extends his hands and says, eyes be open. It's the hand. It's the, you know, it's the power of the hand. Oh, no, 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 no. It's the mud and the water. Oh, 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 you must be really off. So I don't know what Jesus healed you, but it definitely wasn't my Jesus. Well, I'm gonna start my own denomination called the Mud Spit Healers. Well, I'm gonna start mine that's called the Extend Your Hand Healers. Okay, and that's the way it works. And so we have people, right? I think that's the way it works. And then when they grow up with hundreds and thousands, they turn into denominations. There's one denomination over here that says, well, you know, all those people that raise their hand and clap, make all that noise, that can't be of God, it's gotta be the devils. They got drums like in Africa where they call it the spirits. <laughs> Person over here is saying, oh, unless they have drums, electric guitars, go like this, they don't have the spirit. They're just dead. And we start fighting about silly things. I don't really care how Jesus healed you long as it's Jesus and, and how you came to Christ doesn't matter as long as he's the way the truth and the life and some of you came to God through a tragedy some of you came because a friend talked to you some of you came when you were just awakened some of you were doing great but since an emptiness of the soul some of you were an addict and you were liberated. I mean, there's a lot of pathways that come to Jesus, but ultimately, Jesus is the way to God. And do not argue about the path that brought you to Jesus because ultimately, God is not bound by a box in how he works in our life. A blind man now sees. Only Jesus Christ can perform this miracle, telling us today that Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, the question is, have you placed your faith in Jesus? It's not about going to the right church or doing enough of the, quote, right things. It's about receiving what Jesus did on the cross. He died there to pay for the sins, the wrongdoing that you and I have all accumulated. But you can be forgiven from all of that junk. And what's more, Christ will give you the power to turn away from or repent of all this garbage. 
Would you like this cleaned-up life, a life with Jesus in charge of you from this day forward? Well, pray with me right now. I'll try to give you some space here. Lord, I'm coming to you in faith. I believe you died for me on the cross. Please forgive me of my wrongdoing, Jesus. Help me turn away from this awful stuff. Be in charge of my life from this day forward. Amen. You know, taking that important step with Jesus Christ means that you are right now on a path set for eternity with a relationship that honestly needs to be nurtured. We've got so many resources to help you, and a good place to start is moodypresents.org. If you'll click in the upper right-hand corner where it says How to Know Christ, there's a video there, some great tips to help you get started, and more. That's How to Know Christ. Click there at moodypresents.org. While there, we invite you to get your own copy of The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. It's available to you, our Moody Presents listeners, for a gift of any size. Can I share with you a quick excerpt? Moody writes, Some people go back into the past, and they rake up all the troubles they ever had, and then they look into the future and anticipate they're going to have still more trouble. And they go on reeling and staggering all through life. They give you the cold chills every time they meet you. They put on a whining voice and tell you what a hard time they've had. I believe they embalm their troubles and bring out the mummy on every opportunity. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Lord says, cast all your care on me. I want to carry your burdens and your troubles. You see how practical this book is? We'd love to send you a copy of The Overcoming Life. And again, it's yours for a gift of any amount at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Much more to share from today's message. I'm John Geiger, inviting you back next week for more of Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.